podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and something that has never left is our love for mybookie.ag. I don't know about you guys, but I think the game is up to 10 times more exciting when I have money on the game. Sometimes I have a gut feeling. Sometimes I just want a little bit of emotion in this dull, dull world. Regardless of what you've been betting, where you've been betting, or if you're new to the game, the only spot you need to go to is mybookie.ag. You use promo code CHAIR. You get a 100% deposit up to $1,000. That's right. If you put $1,000 down, all of a sudden you have two grand to gamble on. And guess what? Even when K-State loses, they cover the spread. Let's get into it. No beer of the pod, no coffee of the pod. Recording this a little later due to life happening. Uh, Cats 24, Horns 27. Uh, disappointing game. Uh, I don't know what your emotions are. I I at no point was like angry. I was just disappointed. It, it truly was the first missed opportunity of the Chris Kleiman era uh, for an expe- uh, you know, there's no shot at a special season now. Uh, there's still three regular season games left. You can still win nine regular season games and get into a mid to high level bowl with a shot at 10 wins with a shot to finish the season in the top 25. Uh, what were your emotions after the game? Um, I kind of agree with you. wasn't super angry. I'm more angry today than I am than I was yesterday. Just thinking back on how it just kind of slipped through our fingers. It, it, at least it feels that way. But um, you know, being seven point dogs and taking it to the wire, um, not not much of a moral victory guy. But um, I don't know. It's it's definitely disappointing. But I'm not raging over it. Uh, so let's kind of talk through it a little bit. What were your emotions when we got up off to that super fast start, 14 nothing? Uh, seemed that uh, we really had that game under control. What was what, what was going through your mind? Cautious. I was pretty cautious. I mean, obviously it felt good. Um, and it was weird yesterday. I was never really nervous, um, even in the buildup for the game, until like the fourth quarter. But um, – you know, it was an impressive start. Um, I thought it was a good call early on from Courtney Messingham. And, you know, Skyler was just on fire, um, converting on third downs and hitting guys in tight windows. Um, but it was nice. It was nice. I knew that they would probably probably bite back, and they obviously did. But would love to start every game 14-0. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not trying to poo-poo uh, starting 14-0. Uh, especially in college football, how I've always kind of looked at it is you want three possessions before you start really starting to feel good. I was happy with the, you know, 14 points, uh, but it kind of proved itself out the fear I have because all it is is back-to-back stops and some scores from the opponents in college football. It's a tie game, and the fact that you knew Texas was going to start with the ball uh, in the second quarter, I I agree with you. I was cautious, but – there were some folks who uh, were, already, uh, you know, celebrating a little quick, um, and I, that definitely wasn't something that was on my mind. 
something that was on my mind and I was hopeful of this, but it sure didn't turn out to be true is the whole narrative of if you ever get Texas down back or on their back foot, they kind of fold up and close up shop. Um, that's a narrative that's out there. I was hoping that was going to be true, um, but it sure wasn't. Were you surprised at all that Texas was able to uh, kind of gain their composure? And, you know, it's not like they started firing back in the first half. They only got one touchdown. But were you surprised that they didn't kind of fold up? Or are you someone who expected them to, you know, fight when they tasted blood? I kind of expected them to bite back a little bit. Um, I was more surprised, like, in their coaching decisions. Um, I, I was I was very glad that they were playing us so soft, and obviously I was welcoming that. I think we were taking advantage of that early. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just – it never really felt like – being a 14-0 never really felt safe for me. I mean, it was so early. We jumped on them so quick, and there was just so much time left. And, you know, we've seen our offense – have periods of uh, struggles. So um, I never really felt very good about it. Um, and then, of course, you know, 14-7 happens. And, you know, what are you thinking then? But so they, they get to 14-7. I'm, I'm kind of weary, but I'm thinking to myself, well, we've had we've had some success on offense, and we'll touch on the offense a little bit later. But when we finally get it to halftime, especially with uh, how up and down that second quarter was, I was just happy to get up. Uh, be up a full possession that, hey, no matter yeah. what happened, we were going to get the ball back with, at a minimum, at worst case scenario, the next time we touched the ball, it was going to be tied. We weren't going to be behind at that point. So I was feeling okay, but it, you really wanted it uh, to feel like you, you wanted more than that going into halftime. Um, I'll touch yeah. on this, and we will touch on kind of coaching decisions and scheme stuff. Uh, for the offense and for the defense. But this is kind of turning into, uh, I don't know if I would go as far as saying worry, but it is something that Coach Kleiman is showing the type of coach he is. Um, Similar to the TCU game, he did not use his timeouts to get the ball back at the very end of the second half. Um, He screwed up when, you know, Texas was trying to run the clock out and kick that game-winning field goal. He called a timeout after they picked up a first down and basically cost himself 13 seconds. Now, in hindsight, the way everything worked out, it wouldn't have mattered um, because Texas ended up calling a timeout right before, you know, time expired to kick that field goal. So that didn't necessarily matter. And then he did uh, accept the penalty that took the Texas touchdown off the board, basically saying, hey, we are going to try to – make them miss their field goal versus getting the ball back with, you know, 30 seconds left. Um, what are your thoughts on how Coach Kleiman handled management uh, early on in his K-State career? And is it would you go as far as saying it's a worry for you, or is this just something like, hey, you know, he didn't have many situations that he had to deal with this. Yeah. So he's, he's not used to this right yeah. now. Um, I mean, the end of the game was – Ugh. The end of the game was managed, I feel, about as poorly as possible. But you're in a tough situation, you know, thinking to yourself, do we just let him score? And that's just kind of a weird situation to put yourself in. And, you know, um, you don't want to burn a timeout and tell your guys, hey, let's just, just let him score and we'll have as much time as possible to try to march down and, and win the game or tie the game or whatever. But uh, the, the before the half, like not calling timeouts, yeah, we've seen him do that twice. TCU now at Texas. 
it doesn't bother me nearly as much at this point um, as much as the, end, the just horrible mismanagement at the end of the game there. But because we're not really built for like those quick scores like that, um, and I think he probably just felt like, hey, we're up, we have a chance to you know let's run this clock out, go up with with a touchdown lead at halftime. We got to be pretty happy about that. But um, yeah, it's not like we're gonna. How many how many times have we, have we done that this year? Been able to you know, execute a, a quick drive. We just don't, we're not built like that right now. So maybe in the future he'll, he'll, he'll approach it differently, but the halftime stuff doesn't really bother me. All right. Sounds good. We'll keep moving on. K-State was five for 11 on third down. UT was four for 11 on third down. And then they had one big fourth down conversion. K-State 304 yard, yards of total offense. Texas 477 total yards of offense. K-State, two penalties for 20 yards, and Texas, far more penalized, nine penalties for 85 yards. Time of possession, K-State 29, Texas 31. Let's talk about the offense. Let's just get into it. There was a lot of conversation on Twitter, on message boards, I'm sure on many phone calls, group chats, about Courtney Messingham and the game he called, especially uh, in the second half. Uh, I saw you on Twitter a little bit. I, I'll let you go first. Um, what what was your thought? What 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 are your thoughts on Courtney Messingham? Uh, you can divide it up however you want. Um, I don't know, man. I think people just need a scapegoat sometimes, especially with frustrating losses. But I think he called a pretty good game. Um, you know, we want to be balanced in our play call, and we were. Um, I think he did a pretty damn good job early trying to take advantage of Texas's soft coverage. I mean, jumping up, like I said, 14-0 <clears throat> early on the road when you're a seven-point dog is about as much as you can ask for. Um, the game, for me, honestly, just kind of turned on the bar to fumble, and then Texas kind of woke up and started pressing us. Um, I think that was really the difference. There's some slight gripes from me. You know, I do feel like sometimes we tried to force the run a little bit, but you know, that's what this team's bread and butter is. It's what it's what we want to establish. It's what we want to do. And we need to establish the run to open up our pass game. So, frankly, I think we were just kind of lucky Texas didn't come out aggressive defensively or we may have lost this game by 14 or more. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, there's so many people who were trying to criticize the offensive game plan. Why, why do you keep running? Um, where where was the passing game in the second half, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, here's the thing, you know, once Texas decided they were going to press, uh, the inside passing yeah. and the short passing just was not there. Like, we had wide receivers who made big plays, but it wasn't like we were throwing the ball, like, super long downfield. Um, so it just – the passing game that worked was just taken away. You can't throw uh, – tunnel screen to your slot receiver every single play. That's just not the way it works. This isn't NCAA where you can, you know, just, you know, snap the ball and fire to a receiver and pick up 10 yards every single play all the way down there. That's just not how it works. So I, I have a hard time really uh, ex uh, taking what folks, folks' criticism of Messingham's game call. Uh, I, I have a hard time giving that much credit because if you look – out on the field, uh, you had a run, an entire running back group that, you know, Jordan Brown was not completely healthy. So you're basically playing with a bunch of former walk-on running backs on defense or on at wide receiver. Dalton shown having a great game, but again, a former walk-on. Uh, you have 
all sorts of young guys. Malik Knowles is the only one who has any sort of experience and pedigree coming into this season. And he, he and I don't think he's even up to 100% yet. So you're having to deal with a deck that's a little stacked against you. Some guys who aren't able to beat the press coverage down the field. Texas finally getting healthy. They're them coming off a bye week. I just have a hard time criticizing Courtney Messingham. I agree. I mean, I think he's been pretty impressive this year. Um, he's had a couple down games, but I really don't think that has a whole lot to do with his game call. I think, you know, Texas straight up pressed us out of the game. I mean, they pressed our wide receivers out of the game from from that point on, and there wasn't a whole lot we could do. Yep. It was difficult for us to get anything going in the passing game. Yep, and we'll talk uh, a little bit later about uh, the struggles with three-man fronts, especially when we're going up against a team that has a beast right there in the middle. But let's move on to Skylar Thompson, who despite everything did have a pretty good game. That his career, they set uh, their career uh, passing record, 253 yards. He had two touchdowns um, on 17 for 27. Uh, had seven registered rushes, uh, no yards netted out, of course, as we brought up a couple times. Sack yardage does count against rece- uh, against rushes for quarterbacks in the college game. Uh, found eight different receivers. Um, so I want to talk to you. I want you to tell me. What what did Skyler do good yesterday, and uh, do you think there is more to see? Again, we're winding down on this season. It's crazy to think college football so goes by so quick. We have three games and the bowl game, but we have his entire senior season. But is this the type of game that you know? Hopefully, all of next year, maybe for the rest of this year, we can start looking for Skyler to be in that two hundred to mid two hundred yardage type game. I would hope so. Um, I honestly don't have a whole lot of gripes for him yesterday. I thought it was he was pretty damn good. I mean, excellent early in the pocket, working through his progressions. Um, he didn't make any you know glaring mistakes that I can recall. Um, obviously broke his passing record. I thought he was very good um, game manager. Um, really, not a whole lot for me to nitpick. Um, I thought there were a couple times where he could have actually taken off and run and gotten probably ten plus yards, but. Um, I'm starting to think that maybe they were telling him maybe to hold off on the running game a little bit yesterday because they barely they really did any design runs. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what did you see from Skyler's game that you think he could have done better on, and what did you like to see? Well, I, first off, uh, just going back to some of the stuff that I did like, I, I, what you said was correct. What he is able to do is he knows exactly where his wide receivers are going to be. And, again, there, there was a lot of criticism of him in his first two years about – how he would never throw guys open, how he would never anticipate. Well, that's the way he was coached. That's the way it was. I mean, there was one time where he dropped something in just perfectly to Dalton Schoen, where it was literally between yeah. three guys and just dropped right into his stomach. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the play later. He made a, a per, the perfect throw on, on the final drive of the game to Schoen in the end zone. Um, I, I just think that he is the – the, the perfect quarterback for the system that they're trying to run. Now, to your point about some stuff that you would have liked to see, I agree with you. I think there might have been a couple times where he could have took off and run and he could have picked up some yardage, and I agree with you. I think the staff wanted to 
uh, kind of wind back on how many times he ran the ball and how many hits he was going to take. We saw it with the way Texas was playing. They were very dirty, and I again, yeah. it's hindsight's twenty twenty. You want to win the game, but I, I can't help but think that if they would have had a shot to uh, take on Skyler, whether he was out of bounds, whether he was sliding. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I'm worried they would have really just tried to take his head off, uh, clean or not. So I, yeah. for a game like this versus a team like Texas, I understand why they probably didn't want him running as much as the previous two games, but I do understand the angst and the frustration with folks uh, about about going away from something that was so succe- so successful over the last two weeks. But what I will say is, I think it is tough to at least do designed runs when, you know, they were getting they, – they, they were getting in the backfield almost every play with just three minutes. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think that even if you're getting that extra blocker with the quarterback run game, uh, I'm not willing to go as far as some folks are saying, hey, if we would have ran the ball more, we will, would have won the game. I'm not willing to make that leap. I'm not either, and I think we would have had to get really creative in the quarterback run game aside from just like some speed options or just traditional draws because they were pretty much owning the line of scrimmage, so it would have been pretty difficult. Yep, I agree with you. Um, Anything else that you want to comment on Skyler before we move on to the offensive line? No, I think we should move to the offensive line. Okay, Uh, they gave up three sacks, six tackles for a loss. Uh, big difference from what we saw over the last two weeks. 26 rushing attempts for 51 yards, averaging two yards per rush. Um, I think we were coming off of the KU game saying, was that the best performance here? <laughs> Do you think this was the worst performance we've seen this year? I still think Baylor was worse. Um, I mean, I they Baylor absolutely destroyed our line. Um, I can't remember the numbers that we talked about when we played Baylor, but it seemed like they were in the backfield for like 30% of our plays. Um, I tried to look up the numbers, but that's when my computer like completely crashed. So I'm not going to try to do it this time. Um, it wasn't a great game though. Is that, th- that's our least amount of rushing yards in a game this year. Correct. Is that right? Correct. So, I mean, I mean, you could, <laughs> you could probably say it is our worst, or at least it's not our second worst game, but, it all starts in the trenches, and it's just hard to do anything when you can't get any push from the offensive line. Yeah, and, I, and I, like I said earlier, at least from my untrained eye, and uh, again, untrained eye, I think that there is something when it comes to playing these three-man fronts where they have a dominant, just kind of, uh, just just a beast in the middle of of the. Uh, of the defensive line, uh, just taking up to, just a dominant defensive. Just, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just a little bit too much for to handle. So I, I don't know, man. It's it's frustrating, and it kind of gives me a little bit of concern because when you look at the schedule coming up, the final game is going to be versus Iowa State, and they play. They were the first team of the Big Twelve. Uh, this kind of evolution to go to three-man fronts. And especially since now, I think there is no Big 12 title left. Uh, you know, you're not going to be going to a New Year's Six Bowl. You have to start saying, hey, let's go for nine wins. Let's win out. 
So you do have to look at that Iowa State game and think to yourself, well, shit, you know, they, they were the first team that really started doing this in the Big 12, and it makes me worried uh, going up against their defensive line for that game. Not only that, but they have, you know, a pretty talented senior-laden defensive line, so it could be tough. Um, I don't know if it's – I don't know if it's just the three-man fronts that give us such a problem because, you know, we have some slower developing runs, and that just kind of allows linebackers to read it better and get in those gaps. I don't know, but it does seem like – I mean, in my opinion, it kind of just feels like – talent mismatch um in these losses um it just looks like they have guys you know particularly texas and baylor where we they just have players that we straight up cannot handle um texas is texas um this is this is one of the most it's not not only one of the most talented teams in the in the conference it's one of the most talented teams in the country and you know when they're when they turn it on it's hard to hang with them and i think it kind of just showed yesterday in in Kind of all over the field, really. Yep, I will note just for the sake of, uh, I don't know, transparency is the right word, or but, but we do need to acknowledge it. Hey, Texas had a pretty shitty defense coming into this game, but they were coming off a of bye week. This is the healthiest they've been literally all yep. year long. Um, so I do think, you know, we have to acknowledge that. And I, uh, I want to at least uh, – this type of stuff out because I, I think yes they do have the talent uh, but you, you do coming into this game even with the knowledge of how banged up we are how different the talent is you still gotta think that you can score more points versus a defense that had been doing so poorly um, yeah so I, I think it does sing a little bit here's my question before we move on from the offensive line you know you are losing officially your four or your five starters uh revis has been playing quite a bit if not more than a couple of those guys on the offensive line the past two weeks so he's coming back but how worried are you when you look at the roster for next year and see hey even with all this experience you can't handle dominant three-man fronts and then fact of the matter is they're going to be excuse me hiccups uh dealing with that all of next year as well too yeah it could be scary um that could be like maybe the weakest link on on our team on our roster next year that o-line um but we got a lot of time to figure it out um plug some dudes in i don't know you just kind of gotta have some faith in in chris Kleiman and and the staff coach connor riley to plug the right dudes in and get them developed and ready to go i don't know though could be bad Yep. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we move on from the offense? Um, how are you feeling about the next three games? I mean, in that O line, <sighs> confidence level going forward. I feel pretty good about it. I think next week, you know, it it, it builds nicely for us. Um, our last three game, a nice kind of progressive toughness in terms of you know who we're playing. I think we have a good opportunity next week to kind of hit the reset button and uh, just start building again from there. Um, you know, for seven and three next week, I think we'll all start feeling pretty good again. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And again, I think it comes back to what we said at the top of the show uh, and kind of what we touched on the last couple of weeks. You know, we're, we're, we're bowl eligible. We're six and three and no one. There, there's nobody who in the preseason, if you would have given them this start uh, in the in giving them a snapshot. Hey, here's the results. Do you take it or not? Nobody's pushing away and saying, no, let, let, let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, 
right. But it, it comes back to that disappointment of a missed opportunity, and I think it really does, you know, play. I definitely with, agree with the yeah. offensive line because, uh, again, you do worry. Uh, and then you're right. If we run for 200 yards versus West Virginia, and if we get a road win in Lubbock, then all of a sudden we're sitting at you know seven and three before Farmageddon, final week of the regular season. Uh, we're going to be telling ourselves, hey, it's been a great year for the offensive line. Let's beat Iowa State and let's have a shot to win 10 games in Coach Kleiman's first year. Um, so you're right. And, I mean, the fact that, you know, we're sitting here talking about being kind of disappointed. I mean, we're not disappointed, but we're disappointed in a way. And we're sitting here at 6-3 and three, um, with two very, very winnable games ahead of us and I think a 50-50 game at the end. Um just goes to show how good the season has really gone. So um, disappointing for sure, but we're still sitting pretty healthy. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and, and we'll move on. And I, I think I think some some of the disappointment and the anxiety comes from my uh, uh, bearishness coming towards next football season. Um, I do have a lot of worries when it comes to the team we're going to have in the trenches and. You, you just think that in, in the world of college football, uh, getting the opportunity to hit that 10 win mark, that still means something in college football. And I wanted that so badly for this team, and I wanted this so bas- badly for the coaching staff. And it's still on the table. Again, win out, get to the bowl game. You can still hit that double-digit mark uh, that we haven't seen in too long at K-State. But I think that that is a tangible goal, and you, you wonder, hey – uh, with the offensive line situation next year, and then the fact the year after that, uh, Skyler's gone. Uh, so you, you just, I, I just kind of get a little heartburn anxiety around. That, hey, <laughs> when's the next time we might get that? That opportunity. Uh, uh, wow, I'm hearing wow. myself. Did you unplug your headphones? Did you unplug your. Uh, they fucked up for a second, but we're back. Okay, but, but yeah, so I think that's kind of where it's coming from. Um, but, again, that, that's some stuff we can talk about after the season's over. Let's move on to the running backs. Again, uh, we found out late in the day, maybe even into uh, late into Friday, early into Saturday, that there was going to be no James Gilbert. There's going to be no Joe Urban. Jordan Brown only had seven rushes, uh, one reception, and it was obvious that he is nowhere near 100%. Tyler Burns got eight rushes for 26 yards. Uh, long of seven trotter four carries for 21 yards long of five um, especially in a game like that where you were getting hit in the backfield almost every rushing attempt that's really where uh, you wish you would have had James Gilbert who has shown the signs of being able to take uh, take hits and still get yardage um, what did you see from the running backs and uh, you know is there enough there that even if James Gilbert and Jordan Brown don't get healthy, can these scenarios where we find wins, uh, you know, the next three weeks? Yeah, man, I guess, I guess those injuries are a little worse than we all kind of thought they were. Um, I mean, I fully expected to see um, Gilbert, but I don't know. I guess he, that's, that's not a great sign. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, Trotter, it's just not looking. It's just not looking very good. Um, but I, I don't think it's anything that you can really put on the backs, though. You know, we talk. It, it's 
it all stems from the offensive line. You, there's nothing you can really do when you're getting met in the backfield a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Um, obviously, it sucks to be missing uh, or to not have your two best guys at full strength, but I do think that we kind of have good enough guys to go forward that if our offensive line is ticking, um, it'll be fine. I, I agree with you. It just, again, kind of sucks that early early in the year you're thinking to yourself, man, you have this great one-two punch. Uh, Jordan yeah. Brown has not been healthy since, since almost, yeah. I feel like, since Big 12 play started. Um, it's just just a disappointment. And then, again, Harry Trotter and Tyler Burns, you know, they're, they're good dudes. Um, they're decent backs, but, but if they're if, not – yeah, they're not game yeah, breakers. Yeah, they're not game breakers, and they're not, they're and they're, they're not number one backs. Like a, again, they're complementary pieces. No. They're just not there, uh, so it sucks. Um, I know Jacardia Wright is kind of battling back from an injury in his own right, um, but in a game like yesterday, the way it was going, I really wished we could have seen a little bit more of him. Do you think he may have uh, something to say in the last three weeks of the season? Or do you think, hey, you know, hopefully Gilbert and Brown continue to get healthy? Uh, and then Joe Irvin, he's sitting at that four-game mark. Um, do, do you just kind of ride out with him and just tell right, hey, get healthy, uh, get your practice reps, get ready for bowl practice, camp, and all that type of stuff? Or do you think that he may still have an impact towards the end of the season? I can't imagine Wright is going to do a whole lot <laughs> this year. I mean, we've barely seen him thus far. And, yeah, like you said, I think he's still battling an injury. So I can't really imagine seeing him. I think, um, I don't know, where is Irving? Where is Irvin on that, on the on the redshirt watch? I, I think he's sitting at four. He's sitting at four. So, if you know, if we run him again, then, then we burn his redshirt. So I don't know. You kind of got to do what you got to do. Um but again, I feel like we have two. I don't know. I mean, next two weeks maybe. Next two weeks maybe will give us we can we can make it through the next two weeks um, against you know two bottom three Big Twelve teams with Harry Trotter and maybe even Tyler Burns um, and get our top two backs healthy for that last that last game against Iowa State and you know the bowl game. Maybe that maybe that's what we need to do. I don't think we should burn Joe Irvin at this point. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree, especially if he's not. I mean, it may be a perfect favorable schedule at this time. We have the two probably, I mean, the two worst teams remaining on our schedule by far. They're bottom three in the Big 12. That might be an opportunity for us to get our two guys healthy and stick with Trotter. Well, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my basically be three guys healthy if you can Brown right. in there as well. That's kind of why I want to see. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm kind of. In that. Uh, backfield rotation but if he's healthy then i'm all for it. he traveled uh he did travel james gilbert did not travel joe Irvin did not travel he was there so that's kind of why i brought him up so okay all right, uh, maybe they just don't have enough faith in him at this point yep we'll see let's uh rotate into something that we had really been championing on this uh podcast but it was a very dark day <laughs> for the fullbacks yesterday um yeah, it was. I mean, probably the one of the lowlights of the night, the Barta fumble, and then Jax. Uh, and, and we've we've called Jax out for this a couple times this season. And because of the blocks that he likes 
to go for. He he's basically a home run hitter. He's either going to smash you and you know put put your body into like into the turf, or he's going to whiff. Sadly, he whiffed on a couple uh, bigger plays yesterday, and he got called out. Uh, Greg Ma- or is it Greg? Whoever that former uh, Alabama quarterback who was on color last night. He definitely called Jacks out a couple times. And, of course, the Barta catch and fumble, which was a big momentum swing. Um, what did you think of the performance of those two fullbacks that we had really been, you know, propping up almost all season on the podcast? Feels bad. Feels bad. I feel like there's really not much positive that I can remember from them in that game. Yeah, Jacks. Uh, I think he's going to need to reel it in a little bit. Um, I love that he's – you know, just a, a truck, a monster uh, running through those holes, but he completely, completely whiffed on one play that I can think of. Uh, linebacker just sidestepped him and went right through the gap and blew up a play. And then, God, the Barta, the Barta fumble kind of feels like the entire game kind of flipped on that, on that play. I know we did not concede any points on that, but we had a chance to extend our lead. Uh, we probably would have gotten some points out of that, um, or at least – uh, would have pinned them back deep, but huge momentum blow. Yeah, I, on that yeah, bubble. the two times towards the end of the half uh, that we did not convert when we got inside the 40-yard line, um, the final drive where Skyler, I think, took a sack on the third down and that fumble, the fact that you don't get any points from those two uh, really come back to haunt you. Like you said, the bar to play did not lead to them scoring, but it did kind of feel like, hey, you know, here we are. Uh, I think at that point we had – I have the drive sheet up real quick. We had only punted once. So it was touchdown, touchdown, punt, and then we were driving. We were on a 10-play drive. Uh, we'd already moved the ball 37 yards when that fumble occurred. And, again, you're right on the cusp of field goal range happens if all of a sudden you get a field goal uh, at that point you're going up 17 to 7 uh, and then who knows like what happens at that point and again in a three-point game points would have been precious anywhere it did just really seem to be like one of those gut punches uh, that really made, prompted me to start talking about the chance for the first big disappointment of the climbing era was on the table yeah um like I said, it, it felt for me like the game kind of turned on that. Um, uh, it was just a tough, a tough turnover to to concede. Um, and that, I mean, it's it seemed like after that drive, because um, we were really moving the ball at will. I mean, up until that point, and then after that, it's like we just hit a brick wall and couldn't do a damn thing. So it just it was a big momentum swing for sure. Yes, it was. Um, so we already kind of touched on the question I had. Do you think? This group, even if they can't get healthy enough, has the talent and gas to get us to a possible nine-win finish. We answered that. I will add this. Um, when you look at this squad, and again, it's kind of a you know three-quarters of the season way through, really taking inventory of what you got. What are your thoughts as we sit here right now looking forward to 2020 and beyond about the running back room? Uh, does it give you any pause that James Gilbert and Jordan Brown's health seem to mean so much to that position no i don't i mean i I was sitting here thinking earlier in the day 
me about how honestly how like excited I was for next year and just I think we're gonna be better at the skill positions um, than we are this year. We're gonna be losing Dalton Schoen, which well actually I think is gonna be a pretty damn big loss um, in the wide receiver core. But I think we're gonna have guys stepped up. We're gonna have you know freshmen that have already seen time in both the running back position and the wide receiver position that are gonna be in the system for a, an entire another year getting stronger, getting bigger, learning the system more. Um, I think Joe Irvin has shown that he's got the talent to be, you know, one of the two backs to get the bulk of the carries. Um, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm really not too worried about, about the running backs going forward. I'm more worried about this. I'm more worried about both lines. I mean, that's my biggest concern about next year. I think everywhere else we're probably going to be in, be an improvement. Yep. I agree. With you. <clears throat> All right. Uh, wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, Malik Knowles really had the play of the game, uh, catch and run for 70 yards, touchdown on a wheel route where he started off in the backfield. Uh, he ended up getting two more catches for 94 yards. Um, how electric is Malik Knowles when he can get get the ball in some space? And how pumped were you when you saw him uh, juke that safety out and race to the end zone? That was great. I mean, absolutely <laughs> just destroyed that guy on an island. Um He's good, man. He's really good. I think he has a pretty high ceiling at K-State. Um, I think I told you his peak could be like he could be a top three top three wide receiver in the, in the conference, and I really believe that. I mean, I don't know if we will get him the ball enough um, for that to actually become a reality, but I think he's already – I mean, he's already a really, really difficult guy to to cover, and he's just a redshirt freshman. I think he's he's got the – the sky's the limit for him. Um but that was a great play. Um, come out immediately, punch him in the mouth. That's what you want to do. And great stuff. He's he's sneaky fast. He's like got these long long strides. And once he gets going, you're not going to catch him. Definitely. Um, Dalton Schoen led the team five receptions, got up to 68 yards. He had a long 21. Again, a uh, pretty good performance from him. Made some massive catches. Uh, he almost came up with an amazing catch, taking the lead on the final drive. Uh, the UT defensive back, he made a great play. Um, so I'm not even going to call that a drop. I mean, we've been, you know. Hard that was a pass breakup, Yeah, break it was up, a pass really. breakup. Um, again, he, he made a great play jumping up and getting his hands on the ball. Uh, the Texas defensive back just seemed to make a better play. Um, what were your thoughts on Schoen's game as a whole? And then, you know, take me through your emotions as that play occurred. Um, loved it. Dalton Schoen, love his connection with Skyler, especially on third down. Um, he's super, super reliable. Like I said, I think we're going to miss him a lot more uh, than we realize next season. But uh, he's good, man. He's good. Um, that would have been a hell of a play. Um, would have been a really, really great highlight. Uh, what were, what was the score at that point? Uh, 24? We were down three. 21? We were down yep. three? 21? Okay, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that would have given us the lead and um, – I mean, it was disappointing. It was a really good play, uh, good pass breakup by the Texas defensive back. Um, Dalton Schoen basically did everything that he could have. He went up and got the ball at the highest point, almost brought it down. Um, it was a really good pass from Skyler, kind of threaded the needle there in between, you know, a few a few defenders. So just couldn't make the catch. Good play by the defender. Yep, I agree. Um, Wyking Gill, you know, made three catches. He got the second touchdown. Let's talk about that touchdown first. An amazing play call by Messingham, amazing throw by Skyler. Uh, got got to give Wyking Gill a little bit of trouble here. It, he didn't yeah. make the initial catch. I mean, every everyone was kind of 
uh, wowing at you know the concentration it took to catch it. But man, it got a little a little bobbled that yeah, baby. He, he bobbled it, got a little nervous. Um, hey, you know you're gonna take the catch. Um, again, let's ignore the uh, bobble in the first place. How impressed were you with his hot hand-eye coordination and just concentration uh, to reel it back in after the bobble? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, bobble or not, he made the catch in the end. Um, you like to see him catch it, you know, <laughs> on the first contact with the ball because, you know, he's given the defensive back an opportunity to get his hand in there and knock it out. But it didn't happen that time. Um, it was a great pass. Um, I like to see little Joaquin getting pay dirt. Um, I like him. He played pretty well. Yep, Philip Brooks had two catches for 25 yards. Youngblood, one catch for 11. We're going to talk about Youngblood's uh, return touchdown later on in the show. Um, but I, I think he is really, I mean, he proved his elite level of athleticism. The one real gripe that I think I have with uh, Courtney Messingham is the fact that we haven't been more creative in finding ways to get Youngblood the ball. Um, what I would what agree with that. About uh, that? Yeah. I would agree. I mean, I totally agree. Um, I think he has shown at this point, and and maybe it's just, I don't know. I mean, you would think at this point that he's pretty familiar with the system. I think that that's what was holding him back early on in the year because, I mean, all they did was talk about Youngblood and his game-ranking ability in practice, but, you know, he just he's not quite there yet from the mental aspect of the game. So maybe that's still there kind of holding him back because it doesn't seem like we really target him at all offensively aside from like jet sweeps or swing passes um maybe he's just not maybe i need a key on him more and he's having a hard time getting open i'm not sure but he seems to be our primary returner at this point um actually actually was he he wasn't catching punts yet he was not that was philip brooks i believe so i don't know but um yeah i would like to get him the ball more uh he's one of our clearly one of our more talented receivers he's got the speed he's got the elusiveness um I, I I think we need to be creative in getting him the ball. Yep, uh, Nick Leonard's had one catch for nine yards. Um, he had a real and probably one of the more frustrating uh, plays of the game on the offensive end. He had a drop on, a, I think it was a third and eight. He had enough daylight. I think he would have picked it up. Um, and again, Nick, Nick Leonard's still young. I mean, he lost his entire year to an injury last year. He's going to get there. But that was another one of those plays when you go through the checklist of things that happened yesterday that just kind of took a little bit of the air out of the balloon. I agree. That was really disappointing. I don't know if he would have even made it. Um, by the time the ball actually got to him, those backs were closing on him pretty quick. But I mean, I mean in you the just replay, have to make that. You just have to make that In catch. the replay, if you freeze frame it, all the defensive backs are beyond the uh, line to gain. And... He's a big body. I mean, you'd think that he would be able to basically meet them maybe a yard short and be able to fall forward for that yard. Um, maybe that's nitpicking. I don't know. Uh, but but I, Well, you'd think that he'd be able to make the catch. I, I mean, that's that, that's true. <laughs> that's just the most disappointing part. I mean, it's – yeah. He's young, and you're right. He lost an entire year last year, so maybe he's just – He'll get there, and I, we honestly don't target him very much. But you got to make that catch. I mean, yeah, you you got to make the catch. <laughs> it's as simple as and that. I, and I think he might be a victim of his own 
uh, potential and kind of the expectations we put on him because we see him in True. flashes uh, being able to do some big things. Um, and then also kind of the hype surrounded him, that surrounded him last year before his injury. Um, so I, I, he might be a victim of his own. And, and, and again, he doesn't ask for any of the hype or any of the attention at this position that we've longed for so long. Uh, so it, it, it is what it is, but I just, you know, it was just another one of those plays where uh, you, you think back to those close games and you, you play the what if game. And that's like the most dangerous thing to do in the life of a sports fan. So uh, I agree. Honestly, if I did have like, if I did have a gripe with Messingham, it's, it's, I would have liked to see us get to involve the tight ends a little bit more yesterday. Um, I think the, boots the boot plays were working pretty well getting Skyler you know rolling out of the pocket getting him the opportunity to run if he has to but you know when they tightened up the when they really tightened up those coverage we kind of got away from the boot plays it seemed like and I I would like to see that a little bit more because you know they're pressing the shit out of our wide receivers and I think that gives you an opportunity to pass to the fullbacks or pass to the top ends a little bit better so i don't know yeah i don't we should move on to the defense i, I, I will say real quick uh i think i think it's uh safe to say sammy wheeler out for the year um the exact injury has not been disclosed yet but i do think that's disappointing with as much as he has grown this yeah. season and like in the fact of yesterday's game he's a bigger body that if you line him up in the slot or at that tight end spot another catch pass catching ability uh, that wasn't being pressed would have really been nice. Yeah, I agree. Nice. I agree. Yeah, so we'll move on to the defense. It's sponsored by our friends over at Kansas City Direct Primary Care. If you were horns downsing too much and got arthritis from it, go check them out. But Grant, tell all the boneheads what else they could expect if they visit Kansas City Direct Primary. Well, Kansas City Direct Primary Care is <laughs> sorry my computer's freaking out but it's basically located down in westport uh they do not accept insurance cards it's a monthly flat membership fee um typically about 65 bucks a month it's an just it's an incredible opportunity for people uh to get uh cheap medical care and good medical care uh you can get basic labs for up to like 10 bucks each x-rays about 50 bucks medications are typically 90 percent off retail which is which is really really good obviously uh best part of the deal is the availability and the access visits are available same day our next day the range from about 30 minutes to an hour long and some are you know as quick as five minutes if they need to be patients get the physician's email and can contact them 24 7 if needed which is pretty unheard of be sure to visit dr short who's a board certified family med physician and he's a K-Stater, so check him out down at KCDPC today. Um, yeah, their website is KansasCityDirectPrimaryCare.com. Link should be in the description of this episode. So check him out, guys. Good medical care, cheap medical care, um, hard to come by today. Definitely go check them out if you're in the Kansas City area. All right, so let's talk about the defense. Um, the struggle with defending the read option continued to be an issue early on. Uh, let Sam Ellinger run wild and a couple times on some third downs and even on that fourth down conversion uh they again sold out after that very first time to go after ellinger and then the running back kind of chewed us up at that point 
Um, issues when it comes to tackling reared its ugly head once again. Um, at this point, with three games in the bowl game, I assume you know it is the issue is what it is, and uh, we can only kind of sit back and kind of hope that we see some improvement at that point for next year, don't you think? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's sad because I thought we turned a corner a little bit at the last two weeks. Um, our tackling seemed seemed to be better. But I think it's just going to be a problem that we're going to have to deal with and hope that we can kind of just <laughs> gang tackle people and have people in the right place at the right time. But it's super, super annoying. And, yeah, the RPO killed us yesterday. I felt like I was watching somebody play Madden 20 and just abusing the RPO. Uh, we could not figure it out, especially when they ran an RPO and actually passed. I mean, it was there every single time. But I think in um, the times that we actually – a lot of our problems, I think, yesterday stemmed from not being able to get to Ellinger on time. But finally, like when we would, it would be he would make the great read and hand it off. Like Wyatt Hubert was, there were several times where Wyatt Hubert got to the quarterback and the running back, and he just made the wrong decision. Um, so yeah, it, it killed us. <clears throat> the big kind of post game talking point when it comes to the defense, there was a lot of frustration with the third down call. Uh, third and 12, they picked up. So I want to hear your – Third and 14, I, I think, was, which is I thought even it was worse. third and 12, but it might be third and 14. Um, doesn't matter uh, regardless. Third and beyond 10. Um, did a blitz, didn't work out. So what were your thoughts on that play call, uh, and what are your thoughts, you know? <sighs> I mean, at the time, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I think – I'd have to rewatch the play um, to see how many we actually brought, but I like I do like the decision to blitz. I really do, but I think that maybe only bring five. I think we brought more than five, which is kind of risky, and we still didn't get to the quarterback. You know, blitzing. Um, I don't like going man in that situation. Uh, I say just. If you're going going to blitz, then you know do a zone blitz, bring an extra guy, and then drop drop some dudes back and force them to beat you over the top or throw throw beneath. Because um, you got, I think it was third and fourteen. I mean, just play in front of that fourteen yards. Don't let them beat you. And then you go man on a guy with you know AJ Parker's out. And I thought Kevion McGee did the best he could yesterday, but a nine inch difference between those two guys, and it just we just didn't have the dudes to to hang with their dudes. I mean, it's as simple as that. I don't hate the call that much, but I think it was a little too aggressive. Because for years, in years past, man, we would have been sitting back and letting them march on us, and we would all have been begging to blitz there. And shit, we did it yesterday and it just didn't work out. We couldn't get to the quarterback. Yeah, it, so on, on that play, it was actually uh, J-Mac uh, was the guy guarding him. J-Mac yeah, got beat? So, and here's the thing. Okay. I, I went back and watched the play. And yeah, he got beat. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that it was perfect coverage, but it was good coverage. And Ellinger had to make a really good throw to get it there. And their wide receiver had to make a really good. I think it was uh, that French guy, Devin Duvernay or whatever. Uh, he had to make a really good catch. Um, I don't hate it. I I think we we're close to getting to him. He had to make a near-perfect throw. It was a really good catch. I, 
I don't know. I and you 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 said it perfectly. In years pass, they probably still pick it up, and it's because we dropped back. Yeah, years pass, we just try to contain, and we don't get any pressure, and we just let them fucking get that for free. So I I don't hate the call. It's just you got to make the play, I guess. Yeah, and again, even if you go zone in a situation like that, that does allow pockets to be there. So if you don't. If you don't get pressure, if you give them even a second of extra time in a zone coverage, they're going to find that pocket. So I'm fine with the call. Um, A lot of folks on message boards and Twitter were not. But, again, I I just kind of think to myself, you know, we're we're the fan base that complained for the last, you know, five years about the soft coverage and never blitzing on third down. And, you know, greatest our third down defense has been this year. I have a hard time criticizing Hazelton for what he decides to do on third down. It is brutal. Like it, it's just all the stuff that we talk about with the offense not being able to do that, and it really the game came down to that one fucking play. Third and fourteen, we stop him there, then roles are completely reversed, and we're going for a game-winning field goal or game-winning touchdown drive. So, I mean, we were right there. We really were. Um, it just ah, it sucks to give up a third and fourteen, but. Such is football sometimes. Yep, and you know after that they uh, they didn't have another. It also sucks to get you know intentional grounding um, at the very end of the game and lose thirty five thirty two in a hilarious manner. So we could have done that like the Chiefs. Yeah, that, that was a very ugly Chiefs. But, <laughs> but we'll move on to that. Uh, let's jump into the defensive line. Drew Wiley had probably one of his better games of the year. Four tackles. Trey Deshaun three tackles. White Hubert one sack, one tackle for a loss, three total tackles. Mitty, three tackles. Kyle Ball got a lot of time out there. He got tackled. Reggie Walker, uh, his career's winding down. I thought he had a good game, four tackles, tackle for loss. But at the end of the day, Ingram from Texas ended up with 139 yards rushing. And we talked about the top of the defensive portion, uh, the lack of tackling on defense. And I think that the defensive line probably were the biggest culprits of that. Again, we, we've, we've been saying all it's not like these guys are getting completely beat. They're not in the wrong spot at the wrong time. It's not like any of that. It's just when they get there, it's just almost all arm tackles, and it, it takes two or three guys to bring down almost any running back in the league, and yesterday was no different. Yeah, it's frustrating. They are very, very hot and then very cold. Um you know, we were just talking about how maybe this is the best D-line in the conference, and then you you just get gashed, <laughs> gashed on the ground. And, and honestly, yeah, I agree with you. I feel like we were getting a decent push, and we were in the right spots, but just not being able to bring people down, and that's kind of a big part of uh, playing defense. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Is there anything you want to talk about with the defensive line before we move on? Uh, I think let's transition into the linebackers, and we should start talking about Elijah Sullivan, who I thought had a great game. <clears throat> what do you think? He had, what, nine tackles and one tackle for loss, and then a two-play a two play stretch that was just spectacular where he came up huge. Yeah, I mean, th- there are points in games where Elijah Sullivan can literally take over on the defensive end. He looked like an elite linebacker in that stretch. Yeah, and, and he's had stretches like this before. It, it wasn't like this is some big, uh, you know, come-to-Jesus moment or anything like that. He's had these moments 
where he, he he'll just stop offenses. Um, and it's great to see that. And we're going to need that in the next three games and the bowl games. And I think he's going to be one of those guys where you think back to some of these teams and kind of sim- in a similar vein that I've said about Skylar Thompson that I'm not sure if they will ever get to the point where they have a special enough season. If you can get to a 10-win season, top 25 season, uh, you know, that might change. But you, you think back to some of these borderline elite players on some of these teams that weren't quite borderline elite themselves. I think elite Elijah Sullivan this season falls under that umbrella. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I thought, you know, linebackers had a decent game. Um, tackling was an issue, though, kind of kind of just team-wide. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Cody Fletcher, uh, he probably had the best game of his season. He, he's finally starting to get out there and really be a part of the every-down rotation. He got five tackles. Daquan Patton had two tackles. Daniel Green, at least on the ESPN stats, he only got credit for one tackle. But again, in typical Daniel Green fashion, he was just running around like crazy and disrupting plays, even if he isn't the guy making the tackle. I mean, he's taking on two, three dudes. He's like, you know, he, he he's, he's almost like that stereotypical special teams player, who just kamikazes down there on, you know, kickoff coverage. And he just takes out as many guys as he can, but he does that on every day, you know, offensive, defensive snap. Yeah, I'm excited about Daniel Green. Um, I think right now, obviously, you can tell when you watch him, like, he's a freshman. Um, but I think when he, like, matures into, you know, what you want him to be as a linebacker, he's got the physical gift to be possibly one of the better, like, linebackers in K-State history. I really believe that. Yep, I agree with you as well. Um, that's really all I had in my notes about the linebackers. Is there anything else you want to add before we move on to the secondary? Nope. All right, secondary. They gave up 263 yards in the air on a 22 of 29 passing night from Mr. Ellinger. Walter Neal uh, Jr. made a massive, massive play, which uh, if, if, it, if he doesn't make his interception in the end zone, you know, maybe it's a totally different game. Um, he he uh, also got three tackles, but at the end of the day, I think you, you kind of brought it up already. It's going to be the uh, kind of theme of talking about the secondary. He's just such a small guy, and he has good ball skills, and he's not uh, ever he's not completely getting burnt, and he doesn't have his eyes in the backfield, and he doesn't fall for a ton of play action. But, man, when it's even a 50-50 ball, he, he just almost has no shot. Are you talking about Keaton? No, I'm talking about Walter. Walter Neal? See, I actually thought Walter, you know, I've been very critical of Walter Neal all season, but I thought he actually, his coverage was a lot better, you know, than it had been in the past. Um, I just, coming into this game, and didn't, didn't really think he's that good of a, of a cover corner. Um, and he's just... I thought he played pretty well yesterday, honestly. Um, he was in decent position. But, yeah, it just – it's hard. It's hard when when you're covering guys that are four or five inches taller than you and, you know, you're you're missing your best your best other corner partner on the unit. So you got to carry the bulk, and, you know, I think it kind of showed yesterday. But he did have a huge interception that 
gave us a chance to really swing the game. Yep, uh, you, you brought up Kevion McGee. He had nine tackles, but sadly, I think that's because he was being picked on a little bit yesterday. Um, we're big Kevion McGee fans, um, but I, I think he did struggle yesterday going up against those uh, super tall, super big lead yeah. athletes on the outside versus Texas. Yeah, I mean, that just... It is what it is. There's not a whole lot to digest there. <laughs> you have at one point there was a nine inch difference between the guy he's covering. So there's just like literally nothing you can do about that. If the ball is put where it needs to be, you're screwed. Yep. Uh, Jonathan Alexander, one sack, one tackle for a loss, four total tackles. Another one of those guys who kind of goes like in the similar category as Daniel Green, where when he decides he's going to do something, he does it at 110 miles an hour. And, uh, again, he made some plays in that game where he may not have showed up on the stat sheet, but he was disrupting plays in the backfield and really making his effect heard. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's just kind of the player he is. Um, but a lot of ups and downs with him, too. You're right. Um, Denzel Goolsby, Wayne Jones, I feel like kind of had a quiet game. Um, four tackles for Goolsby, two tackles for Wayne Jones. Um, didn't really get, I guess, got sucked in on that flea flicker, which uh, has happened twice to us now. Uh, maybe something that we need to look into, but um, somewhat average game from our safeties, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, most of Texas is thrown to the, you know, to the outside. Um, there's a couple times where you, you probably want a little bit more from them in run, uh, helping on the run. And again, on that flea flicker, both of them bit. But at the end of the day, who does a flea flicker inside the red zone? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, ballsy I mean, call, rarely very good call. Uh, so that's not anything that's going to keep me up at night. John Durham, Brock Monty, both had a tackle. J-Mac got a tackle. And again, he was also on uh, the coverage on that uh, third down. Um, here, here, here's a question. How badly does this team miss A.J. Parker? And the, I, I have no idea. I'm not expecting him back uh, this season, maybe for the bowl game. Um, I think. I don't expect him back yeah, either. I mean, it, if they said that there's a, there's a fracture, then, I mean, we only have three weeks left in the season. You know, it's I don't expect him back, which is really unfortunate. But I think we miss him pretty badly, and I think people are going to be – kind of eating their words that those people that were nitpicking AJ Parker's coverage ability. Cause I think, you know, he's an experienced big 12 corner who has gone against elite wide receivers every, every single week and he's held his own. So we're going to miss him. We're absolutely going to miss him. And he makes big plays. He's one of our better tacklers, I think. So big miss for me. Yep. Luckily I don't think uh, we're going to face any elite wide receivers rest of the season. But again, if you start looking towards the end of the end end of the season, that matchup with Iowa State, a lot yeah. of tall, huge. Yeah, I was gonna say Iowa State. There's gonna be a big size matchup like there was last year. Yep, definitely. <clears throat> so we will move on from defense to special teams. Uh, Ty Zentner, uh, he kicked off last night. That that puts him on his fourth game of the season. Uh, he can't kick again, or he burns that Ooh. red shirt, which. I still very desperately want him to keep. Uh, would you have used him for that Texas game? Would you have held on to him uh, for Farmageddon or the bowl game? Um, what were your thoughts? 
I like having a kicker that has the ability to boot it out of the back of the end zone. I really like that. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I don't know how, how much it really changes things. I don't know how much it really affected the game yesterday. I may have held him out, but, um, I mean, what do you think? Would you have kept him out yesterday? Yeah, I, again, I think I I would have been targeting that final game of the season. I'm kind of with you. Also, also because I think that if you would have ran – like, if you run into a situation where Blake Lynch, you know, tweaks something and – uh, he, you would have needed him for the Texas Tech or West Virginia game, and it wasn't a long-term injury, just, hey, one week where he couldn't have gone. I would have also liked having that option to have Ty Zentner kick for one game, uh, and then, boom, you're fine. But now at this point, it's, hey, it's done. He can't kick again if you want to keep the red shirt, which I do. I wouldn't even suit him up for us this season. Uh, I would have Nick McClellan or Ankle or Lynch kicking off rest of the season because I really do want to have him in that first year after uh, Lynch. And then also what folks may or may not know, he punted at Butler Community College as well. So that's a guy who then after ankle's gone as well, if find <clears throat> that next punter, he can do both. So uh, I, I yeah. desperately want to keep that red shirt uh, for I guess it would be the 2021 season, so he can play that season. I think that's pretty valid. Uh, Lynch went three for three on extra points and hit a field goal for 45 yards. You know he hasn't missed hasn't missed field goal since his very first kick of the season. He's been pretty clutch. Yeah. He was definitely clutch yesterday. Yeah, no, he he was good. Again, he does everything we need him to. I don't think he has that leg where if you have a 55 yarder to win the game, I'm not liking our chances. But, uh, you know, yeah. basically from 45 and in, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really, really solid. Um, super accurate. All right, Ank- yeah. Ank- oh, I was ahead. just going to say Ankle. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. he had one bad shank, but it still ended up being a punt that landed inside the 20, had five total punts, average of 43.6 yards, one touchback where he landed the ball in the five and just didn't check up enough. I uh, had two that did land inside the 20. Uh, the line drive punt did set up the coverage on that or that big run uh, back for uh, Texas that's put them in scoring position. When it comes to that punt return, do you put that more on our guy ankle for not getting enough on that? Or is it more, hey, the coverage needs to get down there and make a play? Uh, I feel like it's kind of got to go on the punter. I mean, it was a line drive, gave – Gave the return man like 15 yards of cushion, basically, to kind of pick a lane. Um, we probably don't have the fastest coverage guys in the world, but I don't know. I think you got to get more hang time on that one. I agree with you. Uh, again, very first world problem when it comes to punters. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 love, I love him. I think he's still the best punter in the Big 12 and one of the best punters in the country. But you, you're right. You have to put a little bit more hang time on that and give your guys the chance to make a play. I agree. And of course, you know, leave it to K-State to get Texas a, a big return who has like literally, I think they had two, two punt returns yards the entire season leading up to today. To oh, yesterday. that's crazy. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll move on from that. We'll talk about our return game. Phillip Brooks was backfielding punts. Fair caught all of them. 
Were you surprised to see that? Do you want to see that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> kind of torn. I think Philip Brooks is a good punt returner. Um, but I do kind of feel like, I think we touched on this last episode, Youngblood is probably more electric. Um, he showed that he was electric yesterday by breaking that 98-yard kickoff return to the house. Um, I would kind of prefer him to be back, but I don't know. I don't think we lose that much with Philip Brooks uh, fielding punts. Yeah, I agree with you. If he's just going to call a fair catch, that's fine. But, again, we saw what Youngblood can do. I want to give him that opportunity on punts. Let's talk about that kickoff return. Finally breaks one. We've all been waiting for him to break one. Um, taking 98 yards to house, great blocking <laughs> just, on it. He just ran in a straight yeah, line. Yeah, it, it was great blocking. He made, I think, maybe one guy kind of miss. Uh, it was like the guy tried, like was running past him, just threw his arms out there. But after that, it was, it was you know, see you later. It was, it was a great blocked. But I mean, you have to have that speed and vision to make sure you house it as well. Yeah, if you have the speed to run up kickback against Texas, you know, the Texas Longhorns, the highly talented Texas Longhorns with a lot of team speed, then I think we should be trying very hard to get Youngblood the ball a little bit more. Yep, I agree. And I would put I, I would put a pretty high wager over at mybookie.ag, promo code armchair, deposit, <laughs> up to $1,000. I put a pretty high wager that that won't be the last return Youngblood has in his K-State career now, will it? Absolutely not. He's going to return several. I love it. I love it. Okay, that's all we got for the game review. Let's grade our keys to V. Let's get into it, Grant. Your first one was continue to distribute the ball to multiple weapons. How are you grading that? Um, for some reason, I don't have these on my outline. However, um, I mean, I've I got to give it a pretty good grade, a B plus. We've distributed the ball to eight different receivers and three different running backs that just we couldn't get a whole lot going so at least in that respect um it gets a decent passing grade for me yeah i agree if you just take it for you know face value of what it is i would agree with you i'm going to give that a b oh well that's why you don't see it i did not save over i did not are these yeah, wrong those are, these those are, are the wrong, the wrong ones, keys to v <laughs> Yeah, I deleted them, dude. I was looking at these now. So I got the Texas one. Yeah, so I'll get, start. Yes, get, Continue to hold up that elite third down defense. That's my first okay. key. Um, shit. I'll give it a – I'm going to have to give this a D um, because although we were pretty decent on third down, basically the game came down to a third down that we could not hold them on. Um, so I'm giving it a D. Um, not a fail because they we held Texas 4 of 11 on third down, but – Basically, the game came down to it, and we couldn't do it. Well, I'm glad you have those keys because I can't find them. Oh, no, I, I see. Right. I have them on mine as well. Sorry, we're, we're back. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 give, I give it a C-, minus again, holding them under 50%, uh, and they came into the game as one of the best third-down offenses. I think they were up above 54% coming into the game. Number four in yeah, the nation. Yeah, so I yeah. – Again, not great. It did come down to a third down, and we didn't get the job done. And we also gave up a fourth down conversion as well. Um, but I'm not going to give it a failing grade, but passing barely with a C-. Uh, my first one, it was don't rack up a ton of high penalty yardage. Only two for 20. I mean, I'm going to give it an A. Um, 
Yeah, me weird. too. I'm giving it it's an weird A. Weird to give an A in a losing, but uh, don't worry. I think we have some uh, failing grades coming up. The next one, it was yours. It was running Skylar Thompson. In hindsight, this just sounds like a bad key to be. But um, honestly, in hindsight, I'm okay with this. It's an F. I'm, I, I think you know we may have found some success with it considering they were pressing us in man coverage. Um, and they only brought four a lot of the time. So I think that would have opened up the run game a little bit. But I don't know. I think clearly we are very aware of – you know, the amount of times we have run him. Like, we're trying to save him for this final stretch here. So, it's getting a failing grade, big time. F. Yep, I'm giving it an F as well. I didn't like this as a key to V uh, <laughs> in the first place, but I know it is something that's on a lot of fans' minds. So, I think uh, I think you were more in tune with the majority of the fan base than I was. So, I'm giving it an F, uh, and I'm okay with it. But I think a lot of fans, that, that irked them a lot. Uh, The next one was keep capitalizing in the red zone. I'm going to have to give this an incomplete. You only truly got into the red zone once. That's the 25 and in. If you have to do the expanded red zone, which is out to the uh, 40-yard line, uh, then it would have to be an F uh, because you did have those two massive drives where you really could have put it away and you didn't, and then you also kicked a field goal where you didn't quite get into the red zone. Uh, but if you're going true letter of the law, red zone, I'm giving it an incomplete. I don't have anything to add to that. All right, perfect. Those are great in our keys of V. Now we're going to hand out our game balls and swagger stickers. Everyone knows rules. Both Grant and I have two to give away, one offense, one defense. No one can receive two game balls in the same game, but you can receive a swagger sticker. And that's just kind of what it sounds like. Someone who had some swag, a little bit of extra pizzazz in their game yesterday. Grant, who's getting your first game ball? I'm going to give it to Skyler uh, for breaking breaking his career passing record. I thought he played really well yesterday. Not really much for me to nitpick in his game. Skyler tops it. I, I like it. I'm going to give mine to Viking Gill. Made the uh, touchdown grab, survived a super cheap shot by a Texas player and still came back into the game and finished out the game. Uh, you know, I think he's one of those guys uh, that he's found a niche and it's a story that can only happen at K-State. Kansas kid was a quarterback, moved to wide receiver. He's played a big part. Uh, I love Gill, um, but I'm hoping in the future when it comes to recruiting, this isn't something that uh, this isn't a story that continues to reoccur. But while we have him, I want to give a little praise to Mr. Gill and give him my game ball. I think that's a good shout. My second game ball for the defensive game ball goes to Elijah Sullivan. Um, I thought he played really, really well yesterday. He looked inspired, had nine tackles, one tackle for loss. Good, complete game from Elijah Sullivan. Yep, I'm going to give mine to Mr. Walter Neal Jr. Again, I rag on him probably more than I should. Uh, he came up with that big interception. If he doesn't come up with that interception, uh, I don't think we have a shot to win the game late anyhow. Uh, and at the end of the day, even though I I do give him some crap um, and we do kind of rag on him a little bit, I think that he has had a good, se- a better season than maybe I give him credit for. So I'm going to give him that award as well. Swagger sticker, who are you giving it to? 
I'm going to give it to Malik for sending that safety to McDonald's to get him some French fries. I love it. Mine is going to go to Mr. Youngblood. He housed it. Uh, he does have swagger. I mean, he was running around like crazy uh, after. I love both I of them was, so he much. Was maybe taunting the Texas sidelines a little bit. Did we see a horns down yesterday? I didn't see a horns down anywhere. I, I did, did not. not. But he he I took the long. I'm surprised. I, I am. A, I'm a little surprised as well. But he because we have we kind of have some bastards on our team. <laughs> like I kind of figured that we would get a horns down from somebody. But I love Youngblood and Malik Knowles so much. Those two together the next three years, four years. That's gonna be fun. Yep, it's going to. Uh, so he's getting my swagger sticker. And I think that's all we have this week. We will be back with two more episodes on Wednesday, or one episode on Wednesday and one episode on Friday. We'll touch on K-State's win versus UNLV on the Wednesday episode. Uh, so if you're looking for a little basketball talk, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of it on Wednesday. So until then, we love you guys. Um, it's West Virginia week. Uh, you know, it's going to be a fun week. Get back into the bill. Um, and, you know, there might might be some fun stuff happening at the stadium, some stuff uh, to keep an eye on social media for, uh, hopefully. But we've been duped before. So that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Rant, uh, talk to the boneheads, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, not much to add. Check out uh, KC, oh, KC well, Direct Primary on. Care. Check out my book. And then also uh, manscaped.com. We forgot to talk about Oh, of course. Oh, my yeah, gosh. So. Manscaped.com. Use promo code armchair for 20% off. They have the lawnmower 2.0. It was made by rocket scientists. It makes it impossible. You cannot cut. cut your balls. Guess what? They finally sent me my gift package. I'm opening it up, and Did I'm going to do a little manscaping after this. Deodorant right. so my balls won't be smelling anymore. Some lotion, some body wash. <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to have a manscaped body. Uh, after this, a so shout out to Manscaped, promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy. All right. That's all we got. We love you guys and talk to you in a couple days. Thank you. Meet me at the cathead.
Podcast Network.